pediatrician Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thanks for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. Along with our tech magician, John Posey. The Mystical Underground is a place where the weird and the wonderful flourish, where ideas and experiences lie outside the boundaries of mainstream science, are explored, and a place where the mundane, everyday world takes a back seat. You can go to our website, phenomena111.com, find out more about us and our many books on unusual phenomena. Some of the titles, Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Powers, The Synchronicity Highway, Beyond Strange, Two Tales, True Tales of Alien Encounters and Paranormal Mysteries, and Aliens in the Backyard, to name a few. You can also go to blog.synchrosecrets.com where we post several times a week. We're also both novelists and winners of the Edgar Allan Poe Award, and that's why we usually include the Writer's Corner at the end of our podcast. Okay, today we're going to explore one of the really fascinating aspects of unusual phenomena, and that's out-of-body experiences, or OBEs. Uh, most people who have had OBEs only experience them once or twice in their life, and they were spontaneous experiences. In other words, totally unexpected. And you can count Trish and me among those uh, spontaneous experiencers. But today we have a guest who's a master of out-of-body travel, someone who was able to develop the challenging ability to program his OBE experiences and get out on demand. He's been doing this for years and has had some amazing experiences. But uh, for many years, Wes kept these experiences to himself. He was a police officer in Central Texas, and as you might guess, talking with your fellow officers about flying out of your body at night was probably not a very good idea. So he kept quiet, but now he's uh, read, uh, he's ready to talk about it, so let's do it. Welcome, Wes. Well, thank you for having me. Happy thank you to for be here. On. Sorry about all the confusion with the cats and dogs. <laughs> so, Wes, I know you... Well, I, uh, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, my Skype isn't working, so I have a picture of uh, of you two up on the screen and a golden retriever, I guess, and y'all are yes. standing by a gate or something. Yeah, that would probably so, be Noah. Yeah, yeah, that was Noah. Okay, I, I know you've uh, written about your experiences on the internet, uh, first under a pseudonym, then under your own name, but um, have you ever talked about it on a podcast or radio show? No, sir, this is the first time. Okay. Um, so what made you decide to speak out and use your real name? I know you were writing under uh, a pseudonym for a while. And uh, what came about? How did you decide to uh, just come out publicly? Well, I got old and finally <laughs> didn't care what anybody thought anymore. <laughs> That's as good an answer as any. Uh, yeah. 
right? Got a got a pretty good pension put away, so if if it all goes to pot after this, I'm taken <laughs> care of. Yeah, that's good. But I just uh, I just at this point um, I I wish I'd actually talked to someone like you early on. Um, but anyway, at this point now I. I just, I don't care, you know, what people think and if they believe or if they don't. So uh, it's just well, nice to have a, a format or a platform to to talk about this. With. Well, also, I mean, your your experiences are really unusual, and it, it's just it, it seems like. I mean, are y'all hearing my grandchildren? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, is that what that is? I, was, I thought, oh, no, is that the yeah, cats they're, again? They're, they're going to bed, so that's going to okay. stop in just a second. <laughs> um, so we're, I want to get into you. We want to get into your OBEs, but we'd first like to talk about that UFO experience you, you had that preceded your first OBE. Could you tell us about that? That happened when I was probably between eight, I'm sorry, between nine and ten years old. Um, it was a rainy 4th of July, which is very unusual in Texas, had been raining and flooding all day long. And our family tradition for the 4th of July is we had a large Meeks family reunion during the daytime in a state park called Mother Nelf Park. Uh, we had just enough time to really get started eating good, and it started flooding, and the rangers came and <coughs> ran us all out. So we ended up going to my other grandmother's house, which we were going to do anyway later, but uh, that got sped up. We spent uh, the afternoon there or the rest of the evening there at my grandmother's house, uh, which was uh, uh, 10 or 15 miles out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it was this farm to market road. And as we left, I guess maybe 8.30 or 9 that evening, it was still cloudy. And uh, we were driving back toward town, and that would have been in a, uh, I guess, a northeasterly direction. And we topped a, a, a rise in the road. There's a, a small valley. We crossed a creek, and then coming up the bridge, coming up the hill past the bridge, rather, as we started coming to the top of that hill, all of a sudden there were three... Um, lights i guess uh, it looked like they were just at the top of the road but as we got to the you know the top of the hill and leveled off we could see these three lights that were sort of triangular but they weren't you know a precise triangle mm -hmm. and um, they would sort of uh, change shapes and uh, sometimes uh, rotate around each other and it lasted, well, to me it seemed like forever, but I was a child, but it must have lasted several minutes because um, we were still um, six or seven miles out of town when we saw these. Um, About what time of night was, was this? It was still cloudy. Um, still, actually, I don't know if it was still raining at that time, but it had it had rained so hard that, that the, actually the bridge that we had just crossed, we probably shouldn't have crossed it because water was, uh, you know, roaring across the, each end. Huh. And and it, it was dark, right? And, yes, sir. Uh -huh. 
Yeah. And my dad was determined we were going to get home, so he plowed through the <laughs> this roaring water, and we made it without getting washed away. But then as we came up the top of the hill, that's when we started noticing the lights. Now, your yeah. parents saw them too, right? Yes. What did they, what was I, their I don't know what. Well, I, I started to say, I really, it's hard to remember what they were thinking. I, I think maybe dad said something like there was some kind of a lightning effect or an atmospheric effect because of the rain or because of the storm. Yeah. And um, I was just, I didn't know what to think. I mean, they, it was, of course, I didn't have, I had never seen ball lightning or anything like that. But these things, um, if you've ever heard of the Marfa lights or any of those kind of things, right. yeah. Yeah. these things uh, revolved around each other or they would switch places, huh. they would change colors. And it, I guess if I really tried to put it into a, a realistic time frame. It probably lasted about five minutes, I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you were the kid in the back yeah, seat, that, so it seemed like forever. <laughs> yeah. 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 To me, it's uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was really, I don't, I wasn't scared, but I was just awestruck. I mean, I had no idea what those things were. I just knew we had never seen anything like that before. Mm. And then they just took off. They vanished. I. I, I think they finally, yeah, kind of just dissipated away. I don't, I, I can't recall if they just disappeared or if they faded, kind of. But yeah, there uh, wasn't any missing there. time, was there, Wes? <laughs> I didn't think there was. Um, and when I uh, talked about it, you know, years later, trying to talk to my parents about it, they they didn't express any um, any conception of missed time or anything. Hmm. Okay. I mean, we. I got to bed at my usual bedtime. So. Yeah. So how long? But, but they were. Go ahead. I was just going to say they they kind of after, you know, we got home and they got everybody settled. They kind of just brushed it off and never really talked about it again. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So how long after that was your first OBE, and what was that like? I was, it must have been just within a couple of months, probably. Okay. And um, I was maybe a little bit longer. I was about 10. And the uh, the bedroom that I that at our house was shared by myself and my two brothers. And uh, for my, my oldest brother, I guess at some point in the middle of the night, had gotten up to go use the restroom or whatever he got up for. And the the, the thing I noticed was I was looking down. Uh, I, I knew I could see that the um, light was shining out from under the restroom door. The door was shut, but you know, you can see the light uh, yeah. through the door frame. And I, I looked down and I could see in my bed there was the, with somebody (laughs) you (laughs) and uh, that was pretty fascinating yeah (laughs) we had three little there were twin beds but we had three of them not two but um anyway my little brother was in his you know i could see all this my little brother was in his bed i or somebody like me was laying in my (laughs) bed and my brother was was out but he he walked back in the bedroom just a few minutes later 
And um, I think did he wake you up? That no, I think that's what happened. Was he uh, was trying to wake me up in case to see if I needed to go use the restroom? And I, uh, it was like that pop. It's hard to describe. Uh-huh. It was like a pop or a suction force, and I was back in my mm. body. And I said, "Hey, man, I just saw you." From- I was up in the ceiling fan looking down at you, and of course that went over. Not too well, right? He was like, oh, you were dreaming, you know, and the next day I just couldn't wait to tell everybody, and that, um, you know, I didn't even get through half the story before they were telling me, you know, that's crazy, you were dreaming, we have things to do. (laughs) So they, they, uh, the parents were not interested at all. And there was, as far as they were concerned, it was some sort of a, you know, a waking dream. dream or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So did you keep quiet after that when these uh, experiences continued? Yes, for the most part, I, uh, I would confide every now and then into my with my older brother, but um, not that came by after uh, two or three years later uh, he was or maybe longer than that because um, he was about maybe 15 or 16 and started reading um, these books um, about Don Juan okay oh Castaneda yes Carlos Castaneda right and I you know I had had a couple of -of out-of-body experiences by then or several by then and so the funny thing was, I I believe you know, of course I had an out of body experience. Why don't y'all believe me? But uh, <laughs> the stuff that uh, Carlos Castaneda was writing about, I was like, are you kidding? You believe in that stuff? So <laughs> I, I was open minded about one thing, but not uh, not about the other. You know? Yeah. Right. So when you got out of body, were you able to direct yourself around the house, or uh, did that eventually happen with these experiences? I, I, I got later in later years. Um, I'd say my twenties. I don't know why I'm such a slow learner, but <laughs> in my twenties, I, I I would go out of body and would just float through the house. Huh. You know, say uh, think to myself, well, I will go to the kitchen. Poof, I was in the kitchen, you know. And, uh, yeah. Um, did you so did you I, ever will yourself up through the ceiling? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, and that's a fascinating experience. Just going through the ceiling or the wall is a fascinating experience in itself because I don't know really how to describe it, but it's sort of like you you can see all of your own personal molecules going through the molecules of, oh, the, wow. of, of the wall or the ceiling or whatever. And um, I, I don't know how that works because the molecule should be microscopic, but somehow you can see your, um, what, I don't know your if cells essence. is the right word, but your essence uh-huh. um, as it goes through these other things. And um, I don't, I don't know how this works either because it would see it would appear to me if you were out of body you wouldn't have your five senses, your five physical senses. Mm-hmm. But yet when I would do this, like go through a wall or go through the ceiling, I could feel sort of um, a very slight pressure of these other 
but uh-huh. there's farm matters like wood or, or the uh-huh. cereals. Uh-huh. And I mean, it, you felt it, it just doesn't make the pressure. Yes, yeah, just the light, like uh-huh. like uh, like maybe you just run your finger down your arm is about what uh-huh. it felt like. Huh. And uh, that's fascinating to me because if you don't have your if you're out of body, then by definition you don't have your five right uh, senses. But yet, and I've talked to I talked to Rob before. I think um, because when you're when a when you're out flying, which is one of the most fun things to do, um, <laughs> you can actually feel wind. Or may I don't know if it's my imagination or or if, you know, like I said, you can feel the wood. So mm. when when you're when you're traveling, you can sort of feel the wind. And mm. I don't know how that works either. But it's. Well, I wonder uh, if imagination fills it in or memory. Yeah. Uh, it, it could be, and the, and the faster, the faster you go, the more liberating it feels. Hmm. And then, you know, poof, you're just up in the stars and gone. You know. Wow. It, okay. It's, a, it's very. Do you like put your arms out like Superman, <laughs> or yeah, you know? I mean, is it? Sometimes I do. Sometimes so, I do just for the fun of it. Just put my arms out and kind of curl my head in and. Just, uh-huh take off like I suppose at light speed right. <laughs> so when was it that you discovered that you could uh, direct yourself out of your body rather than just waiting for these experiences to spontaneously happen I started um, I guess in my late teens or maybe early 20s I saw a couple of books in the bookstores. Of course, I was afraid to buy them. <laughs> I was afraid to go to the, the stand and pay for I never bought any in my hometown, by the way. <laughs> I went to a larger town. <laughs> so nobody will but know I, you're buying I bought a book books. called How to Have an Out-of-Body Experience in 30 Days. Okay, I, <laughs> I, have that, I have that yeah, book. It's by D. Scott Rogo, oh, I believe. Uh, yeah. And I, I just... Um, you know, I applied some of the stuff and some of the stuff I didn't. And, um, um, but I just practiced and I didn't have a, anywhere near a 100% success rate, but, you know, several, I'd say several times a month, uh, during that, during those early years, I was able to get out when I wanted to yeah. go where I wanted to. And, um, did you That's have a pre? Going, uh, did you have a predetermined destination in mind when you did it? Yes, sort of. Um, I I just wanted to I wanted to know what was out, mm-hmm. uh, not not necessarily the the physical universe, but what was if there was a force or something behind it all. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, in one of those times, I ended up in a a place that was just full of these beautiful geometric um, shapes and um, color, colorful shapes. And um, it seemed like they, they served different purposes. Like maybe one was for healing and one was for uh, confidence or, or, Mm. you know, it may have been one for um, fortune, something like that. I mean, they, so I don't know how I knew, but it was just 
somehow inputted into me that these these um, these geometrical shapes had a purpose. Mm. And by were they floating or what? Of, I mean, yes, kind of, kind of just out there, like a black background or a black space, but it's kind of like the stars. But instead of stars, it's these large objects that, to me, seem mm. to be about the size of a person, maybe five or six feet tall, uh-huh. and just all and, different shapes um, and colors. Yeah, and were they like conscious entities, do you think? Like they were aware of you? You know, I that's a good question. I mean, somehow I knew what each one was for, and so mm-hmm. I maybe from that I can, can sort of assume that the the object itself was telling me Hmm. Hmm. Was communicating whether, whether that's right or whether it, yeah right. yes oh. whether it was that object or maybe a some kind of an overall intelligence in charge yeah. of, of uh, that seems I like know, but. yeah that seems like an interdimensional experience uh, that yeah. you went through some kind of portal to another dimension uh, let's go back though because uh, we got to get back to this alien uh, <laughs> the alien thing <laughs> yeah because that that seems to have played a role in your uh, development here uh, wasn't it shortly after your first one that you had uh, an alien experience right in your bedroom yeah the first one that I can remember um, this was when my grandfather had passed away, and um, I, I still I, I thought it was him, but it, I, I'm really not that convinced to this day whether it was him or not. But I was laying in my bed, not asleep, and I was still, you know, because he was, you know, he was grandpa, and it was hard to really take in that he wasn't going to be here anymore. Yeah, you know, in this life, and. I was I was sitting there or laying oh, wait, there. Wait, so was he dead at this time? He yeah. he would, he had passed on at this yeah, time. Yeah, he had just yeah within the past the past few days. Oh, and, okay. Um, I was I was laying there and um, I noticed um, like a at first it was just like a um, orb, very wide orb. And uh, it wasn't frightful or anything. It was just kind of in the room with me. Hmm. And then it sort of, it took on a face. And the face appeared to be my grandfather. Huh. And um, I, you know, I was kind of, maybe I was frightened at first, but when it turned into what looked like my grandfather, I was, you know, I was happy to see him. And hmm. then that, um, after... I don't know, it wasn't long, but after a couple of minutes, the face faded and the orb just kind of, um, it got a little smaller and <clears throat> just went out through the wall at the same time. Hmm. That was, but I, after that, I was comforted, you know, I was like, well, he, wherever he is, he's, he's okay. Right. Hmm. You know, I felt good after that. You know. So did you tell your parents about that experience? No, I, I, no. I knew by then. <laughs> Yeah, not to say anything. <laughs> I knew by then not to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But then the the alien experience came after that then? Yes. The the next time was not um as pleasant. And I don't you know, I don't know whether 
the one, this first experience I was telling you about was an alien. Was it my grandfather coming to say goodbye? I, I don't know. Because, it, well, yeah, yeah first, your description of that is very similar to some of the other uh, experiences where people see somebody who has just passed or somebody who's been dead for a while, and then the alien morphs into its own self. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, it could it could be either one. It could be you know a, a spirit contact experience, or it it could be that the aliens were tuning into you and get, drawing that image out of you of your uh, grandfather and attempting yeah. to uh, comfort you with with that image. So it, it could be either one, actually. The uh, the first. You know, and, and I, like I said, I felt really comforted and peaceful and, you know, just went right to sleep after that. Uh -huh. But the, um, well, I'm trying to remember how young I was when these, it wasn't long after that. It was, I was, you know, um, by then uh, probably 12, 13 years old. And these experiences were not pleasant to me at all. And I don't know if it's just the way I took it. I don't know if they were actually trying to scare me or trying to hurt me, but I was um, afraid. Mm -hmm. But I would, in these experiences, um, I would all of a sudden um, feel it would something would tug at me and wake me up, hmm. and then I would I would feel myself being lifted. And I'm not talking about astrally here, or at least it didn't appear. To me, oh, physically but, lifted. Yeah. Hmm. And I would, I would feel them lift me up, and then the room would begin uh, spinning around. I don't know if it was we were spinning or if they had huh. maybe given me something that, that uh, you know, sort of like getting a Demerol shot. Uh-huh. And, but I Did didn't want to go, and I would try to pull away, but they, would, they wouldn't let go of me. Could, could you see them? They were always the same. Yes, they were these little... Um, they're always the same, about a three to five, three to four foot tall little figure that were covered in, they always wore black, hmm. or at least that's all I could see was sort of a black uh, hood that just faded on into some kind of a, a garment. I don't, uh -huh. I wouldn't say a robe, but it was just, I could never really see their faces. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I don't... I, I never had any conscious awareness of, um, you know, being probed or uh -huh. on the table and dissected or anything like that. But but they circled you know, around you. Yes. Uh huh. And there was always um, at least four, sometimes six uh -huh. or seven. Uh -huh. You had the troops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I um, it would it seemed like that would that would go on for a while, and like I said, I can't remember anything beyond that and then you know next day i'd wake up in the bed and uh, did you ever have bruises or anything from this do you know well i, I would be sore sometimes mm -hmm. and um, the shoulder especially my shoulder i could tell i could feel where you know they'd nearly it felt like nearly pulled my arm out of my socket you know huh. me up. oh to lift you up yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. and I mean, I wish I could remember more than that, but that that's, I don't know if that's all they wanted me to know or if I was just so frightened myself that they figured mm -hmm. there was no point in 
you know, trying to explain what they were doing. But <laughs> yeah. this was over and over through the years, the hmm. same type of experience. Was it the same beings, do you think? I would, yes, it, it, invariably the little, these little mm-hmm. people in black. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, every now and then I would see their face, but not very well. And I, I couldn't really describe the face to you. I know they had faces. Yeah. yeah. So this began when you're about 10 years old or so? Probably, um, I'm going to say probably uh, 11 to 12. It was, it was after the, um, after we'd seen the, UFOs, uh-huh. right? You know, months or maybe a year or two after that. Yeah, and these experiences continued on for how long? Oh, um, I was, I was married, and I believe had a, believe I'd had my first child. Hmm. My wife and I had had our first child, and there was a one time that um, she actually woke up while this was happening to me, and. Um, what, did she know what was going on? She, well, she didn't. I had told I told her about these things, but this time when she had never seen them or seen it happen, but she saw me laying halfway out of the bed, pulling my arm. Jeez! Tried to pull my arm, and uh, so she, you know, screamed or did whatever. She got up and she she helped me back in the bed, and she. Uh, Said, and I could feel that that my um, my right arm was just cold as ice. Huh. And so I don't know if that's uh, was that you know was that just my nerve my nerves or something or was it some you know uh, effect or some something they had given me that had paralyzed mm-hmm. that arm. Well, know. did she see anything when this? No. 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 Okay. But she was just freaked out by, you know, the rest of my body is 98.6 and that arm was (laughs) 50 degrees or something like that. Yeah. So when when did you realize that other people had these kind of experiences and that they were called out-of-body experiences? I know you said at first that you you had no idea what the, what this, what was happening to you really. Yeah, it was it was after I read the uh, what out of body after thirty days. I can't remember. Yeah, the Rogo book. Having out of yeah. body experience in thirty days. Yeah, um, that that was the first thing that kind of started helping me realize that maybe the small percentage of people that were having out of body experiences weren't lunatics. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I, I you know I said small. Uh, percentage i don't really know how small it is because you know if if one person is afraid to talk until he's 50 there might be thousands of people that are afraid to talk about it you know until they're older yeah mm-hmm. but i but i begin to realize that that at least for some people it was a normal if that can be called normal it was a, a fairly routine experience yeah although i never met any uh, i don't know i guess because i wouldn't talk about it with anybody except my brother um 
I, I really don't know about um, any of my friends if they were experiencing anything like that. And of course, I didn't know if any of the police officers that I worked with were travelers. Right. It wasn't exactly a question. <laughs> None of us would have said anything. <laughs> yeah. What, um, but did I, your brother ever have an experience? Both of my brothers have had out of body experiences, and that's when we really started uh, communicating with each other about mm -hmm. them. And, yeah, uh, hmm. they they were not as um, able as I was to um, to intentionally travel, but they right. they would travel, um, especially if they were tired or had, you know it had a long day or something like that. It was never a planned thing. Now, both your brothers were with you then I, when you saw these UFOs, right, or these lights? Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Interesting. And I. Uh, I I have never, you know, even to this day, I've never asked them if they've if they've been abducted or had any. <laughs> maybe you should. I don't know why. I guess I, maybe I should. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and ask your wife too. <laughs> so you also we, uh, we we go ahead. I was going to say we feel like well my my daughter she's in her thirties now but she has had. Uh, some astral projection. She doesn't try to do it. I think she, after a few times, she had had her fill and didn't really want to <laughs> go any further. Yeah. But um, we've noticed that that um, the babies, our grandchildren, um, especially when they were just a you know just a few months old, would sit and uh, look at my mother-in-law's picture. She's deceased. Mm -hmm. but it was almost as if they were talking because they are not talking, but she was talking to them because all of a sudden they'd break out in laughter or oh, really? point or yes. And so mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's some kind of something going on with that. So I guess strangeness is running in the family. <laughs> right. Yeah. So <laughs> wait, I have a question. Well, well, this going to sound like a stupid question, but what sign are you? <laughs> what astrological sign? Uh, are you? Cancer. A cancer. cancer. Okay. That makes sense. Uh -huh. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So you ultimately found some benefit in the these experiences, uh, you know, and you, you became uh, an adept uh, explorer of these uh, out of body realms, really. And uh, you had a couple of somewhat controversial out of body experiences <laughs> <laughs> that uh, even, uh, you know, people who have had OBEs are puzzled by uh, what you were able to do. And I, I'm talking now about that first experience uh, or an ability to manipulate matter. Uh, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, that, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of more, inf one of my more infamous experiences. Like, <laughs> but I, um, I, I, I don't know why I picked this club. Because I had, I had never, well, that was, I, I guess that's why I did pick it. I had never been inside of it. It was a um, exotic dancing place <laughs> in Rick's Cabaret. Yeah. And I, I had never been in it, but on, you know, to and from work or wherever I was going, I would drive, I would pass it. And so. Was this an intentional I, target? You, you. Yes, I, you I, I thought. 
why don't I try to go to this place <laughs> and see what it looks like and then go, you know, in, in person and see if, if it matches up. That's interesting. But, but I, so I, I traveled and I got, actually got to it and it was a, kind of a uniquely laid out bar because it had a, a small bar um, as you entered, like a sort of an L shape. Yeah. So it had a small bar, if you can imagine the top of the L running along that, that portion. Mm-hmm. And then the the bottom of the L was actually longer than than what you'd think of as a normal letter L, but it was L-shaped, <laughs> just long. Mm-hmm. And it had four or five separate stages in it where you know, the girls would be dancing. So I, that's where I materialized or where I appeared was in that, the larger area. Yeah. And so after a few minutes, I, uh, you know, after the thrill of the fact that I actually targeted a place (laughs) and then went to it, um, even though it wasn't, you know, maybe I should have picked the Sistine Chapel or somewhere. I guess it wasn't <laughs> a, a moral place, you know. But anyway, I uh, I decided to explore, and that's when I found that they had this little bar up in the upper port, what would be the upper portion of the L shape, mm. and it was it was separate. There was a door that you had to go through to get to the main area, and I guess for people who just wanted to come and drink, they had a little bar. Uh, separated from the dancing area. Could and you hear music? Where, yes, I could, could hear music. Okay. I could see the people. I walked through people. That was weird. Oh my god! <laughs> people, people would walk toward me, and at first I tried to dodge them, but then, you know, I realized why, why dodge? <laughs> so what did that feel like? Me. You said the wood. Because, and- like I said, you could feel a, just a, a pressure, not much, just like mm-hmm. a. Maybe the breeze blowing you know, uh-huh. along your arm or something like that. It wasn't uh, um, unpleasant. It was just different, you know. Uh-huh. But then I, th- this is where the wicked part came in. I thought, <laughs> well, I'm, I want to try to manipulate trick. physical matter. <laughs> so I, uh, unfortunately, a young lady, a waitress, was walking by, and she had both hands occupied holding a tray of they had several drinks on it. So she was defenseless and I, I'm kind of still ashamed to this day, but as she walked by, I gave a jerk on her. She was wearing some warm up clothing or, you know, jogging pants, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them. So I tugged and they went down and she dropped the tray and started screaming, oh my and, God. You know, pulling her pants back up. <laughs> and, uh, of course the, the, the plate, you know, the instant uh, mayhem, <laughs> all these glasses on the floor. And so I I was just standing there in awe because I, I couldn't believe that, you know, a ghost or whatever could move, you know, physical objects, even right. if it wasn't a, a, noble, a noble thing. But, <laughs> but yeah. so it kind of, everybody kind of, it kind of normalized. They came and cleaned up the mess. The girl went away. I never saw her again but <laughs> the people went back to at the bar went back to drinking and i'm still standing there like, man this is i can you know i'm on to something here 
<laughs> and at this point, I noticed there's a guy at the bar looking at me, hmm. just glaring at me. And all these other people are not paying attention, you know, and I'm like, so I start thinking to myself, something's wrong here. And all of a sudden, the, he says, that was real funny, wasn't it? Well, that oh, was God. real funny. <laughs> and I said, you can see me? He says, yes, I'm traveling too. Wow. <laughs> and I was, I was freaked out then. <laughs> and he was like grapping me out for, um, <laughs> you know, for embarrassing this poor lady, which, you know, I deserved. Uh, but right. I was really, really, really freaked <clears throat> out then because one person in this, in this bar was astrally projecting besides me. <laughs> Who knows why he was there? Well, what did he look like? Uh, I didn't think about it then, but later I thought, why was he there? You know, yeah, <laughs> right. and maybe maybe he was supposed to be my guide, and he was so so mad at this little incident that he didn't want anything more to do with me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I have I have a I have a theory about this. I've been thinking about. So about that experience it, yeah. about the ability to manipulate matter that you were you were able to do and this is something that's not normal in out-of-body experiences that other people describe but there has been research by a cornell professor named daryl bem <laughs> b-e-m who uh was working with students college students and uh working on another psychic ability precognition uh the ability to uh, pick out something coming in the, the future. In the future, and what he was doing is he he had two different uh, curtains, and uh, behind the curtains, one of the curtains was a a photo of uh, like a pornographic photo, and the other one was empty. And what he found was that when he used the uh, just regular uh, nature pictures, it came out to be about 50-50. But when he used the the erotic images with the college students, they got uh, beyond the... Uh, beyond beyond the odds. Odds. Yeah. yeah, and so there may be something related to the erotic situation was allowed you to... Uh, to do test so, it. To, to do something <laughs> that... Was, was, uh, beyond I was really focused in, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, what did this? What did this other traveler look like? Do you tell? I mean, he he looked. Um, I hate to say this, but he sort of resembled Rob. <laughs> and I have no idea what Rob looked like at the time, but he was a. Uh, he was. You know, I, I was in my forties then, and he he was a little older than me. Was I in my forties? Anyway, he was—he was older than me and uh, had a shave, you know, had shaved head. Um, is. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say he looked like exactly like you. If you can, you imagine T. Gordon Liddy? Yeah. Okay. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, like <laughs> mustache. Yeah. Uh, How was he? he was, uh, um, you see? He, he, yes, he was wearing um like business casual clothes, hmm. which is funny because um, I have never, I, I couldn't tell you what I was wearing that night. Yeah. I have never seen myself in clothing when right. I'm traveling. 
For all I know, I was naked. <laughs> but but yes, he was wearing just a what looked like. That's why I thought it was just another customer uh-huh. until he turned and looked at me. Right. Yeah, that had to be that 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 he was dressed like a you know your typical um, maybe a businessman having a drink on the way home. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. So, did you ever see him again? No. No. Okay. okay. Yeah. So one of your most fascinating stories involved, uh, that was a fascinating one. But That's, you, that's incredible. Yeah, but you had one that was yeah. really beyond normal, that uh, a journey to a place of knowledge, an enormous mansion yeah. that you later learned was uh, called the Akashic, uh, Akashic Record. Um, yes. So let him tell it. Yeah. <laughs> tell us. <laughs> well, I, uh, I had been fascinated I'd heard of the say. Can you say it again? So I'll the try Akashic to get it right. Akashic record. Is Akashic way. record. Okay. Yeah. I I was aware by this time that there was believed to be something called the Akashic record, and of course my religious upbringing is that there's heaven, and you're you know you're appointed once to die, and after that the judgment. You either go to heaven uh-huh. or hell, and there's no that's that's your options. Some option. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some options. But, but, uh, but as I had as I had read more books by this time, I had read several books, and I was a little bit aware of Robert Monroe, and uh, uh-huh. uh, he was he was able, by the way, to manipulate physical matter. Yeah, he did have one experience. Uh, you know, I, I actually had was it pinching a lady or something like that. Yeah, he uh, his wife. He he pinched, uh, he pinched uh, her arm and uh the next day she had a bruise on her arm in the spot so the interesting thing is that i had um told about your story uh at the at the topless bar to the uh director of the monroe institute who's who's monroe's stepdaughter yes and so robert monroe for people who are listening who aren't familiar with him was a out-of-body traveler who wrote a book journeys out of body which was the he wrote three books yeah three books but that was the first one that's the bible of astral projection as far as i'm concerned yeah exactly exactly and uh so i told her about that and she just did not want to believe that that was possible but then she said well there is one experience that uh my stepfather did have and so she explained that so uh, that uh so it's possible you just went beyond that (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i've never been able to repeat that but i I um, but as far as the Akashic record, I, I, there were so many books that talked about it that I had to kind of start thinking, you know, may, at least it's a possibility. Right. So I I set out that night, um, with the intention of um, reaching the Akashic record, hmm. and so I I did my usual routine, and. Um, could you I, I barely derailed it. Uh, could I'm you sorry? describe that first of all? What your routine? Yeah. Okay. My what I what I normally do is um just get quiet and I do it at bedtime most of the time because I'm too lazy to wake up at three <laughs> or four o'clock in the morning and but mm-hmm. I I just relax and I I I guess I kind of came up with this part myself but I I started 
three ninety nine for some reason and count down. And as I'm counting down, I'm relaxing each, mm-hmm. you know, the steps you go through from your toes up to your head or your head right. down to your toes either way. Right. It totally relaxed everything. And as I do this, I soon become aware of the of this buzzing kind of a. If you have ever have a ringing in your ear, that's exactly right. what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. But then it just gets louder, and as I focus on it, as I'm counting down, it gets louder and louder. And I've um, heard some people say it's as loud as a freight train by the time you you're mm. ready to project. And that's really it's really true. It's it's a by the time you get ready to actually project, it's almost a rushing uh-huh. noise, and and I'm vibrating, tingling all over. And I've heard the rope method and the you know, blah, these other, but pretty much all I would do is just kind of give a hard push when the time seemed right. Yeah. And I was, I would be out and then it was up through the ceiling and hmm. it almost derailed me because the, for me, the, um, the exhilaration of just flying free from your body through the, through mm-hmm. the atmosphere is so, is so, um, liberating. Uh, so, <laughs> liberating yeah <laughs> that yeah. you almost forget about doing anything else because it's just so you're so free and you're not you're not right. bound at all yeah and that's that's very rare while you're awake yeah so what number anyway, did you, I can I uh, what number did you get down to do you remember uh typically no uh, it, it's I never get down to one I can tell you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I, I I would say probably I hadn't reached 200 yet I was okay. still yeah. up in the 300s yeah and I I I controlled myself because once I once I had flown for a little while I I kind of focused back on what my intention was and just instantly I was at this hmm. words fell but it's just this magnificent um mansion type of building that um was it like did you see it on the ground or or what well it's hard to call it the ground it was it was just on a plane of some kind Hmm. uh no there wasn't uh, it wasn't like i was walking you know through dirt or anything it was just kind of on its own little Hmm. plane or platform and it was huge um, in the middle, it all the rooms opened into the middle with, in, into a big square court, and I could see into each room that there was this a vase or a. It was different in each room, but it was like a, a vase, if you can imagine, being four or five feet tall, or even taller, and they were just so beautiful. Some were like maybe made out of marble or something. Some were mm-hmm. jade. Some were just some kind of material that was just different uh, fluorescent colors. Huh. It seemed like each one was different, and there were just thousands and thousands. And uh, at, at some point, I realized that there was a, an older lady standing next to me, and she explained that each of these vases, and they were different shapes, so they weren't all vases. I mean, they were different containers. But mm-hmm. She said each of these shapes, contains one person's entire um, lifetime's experiences. And 
you know, with the plural on the lifetimes. And oh, the lifetimes of the individual. Yes. Yeah. And I was question, you know, in my mind, I was questioning that, but I didn't say it out loud. But she said (laughs) everyone lives different lifetimes, and all of their memories or experiences are stored in these uh, containers. Mm. Wow. And, you know, of course, that blows my religious, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I don't think that I really dwelled on it at that point because it was so fascinating, you know, this is so fascinating, but, um, but she said, clearly it's your lifetimes are stored mm-hmm. in these things. And she said that each, every person has one. And, um, uh, we no. talked and I wish I could remember what all we talked about because I know there were many things. But as we talked, it seemed like we sort of drifted down. And you were asking if it was on the ground or something. Right. There was a there was a sort of a really green plush area, this square in the middle of this mansion. I guess if you could picture um, Central Park uh-huh. in New York, how it's in between all of the tall buildings. Right. But this was not nearly that big, but it was um, it was very plush, just um, real plush um, grass and ivy and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, there were there was a a walk path that went all the way around, so you can imagine it was huge. Mm-hmm. And then there were um, there was some kind of a fountain, and it looked like there were people maybe in the water or whatever, I guess it was water, whatever it was, but there were also, I could see different um, orbs. Some, well, some looked like orbs and some looked like, just like people floating hmm. in, uh, in the air. And this lady had uh, a white garment, a real flowing robe on. And we ended up um, sitting on a, a bench that was a, the bench itself was too marvelous to describe. It was just some kind of really smooth Hmm. um, stone like marble or some other granite, maybe some other highly polished. And she told me that she wasn't really an older woman. And I said, you're not. And she said, no, (laughs) you can, you can take a form that you want. And she said that she used that form because few people bothered her and she could just go about her way but she told me she was actually my age and just like that she she was a woman in her 40s i really can't remember that much about her she wasn't like stunningly beautiful or anything but um, she was just kind of an average woman and then that's when it really gets kind of <laughs> sticky in my head because it's called good somehow, <laughs> yeah it was there were good vibrations and and just and it didn't seem inappropriate at all she said do you want to make love or do you want to do you want to join or something to those you know to that effect and of course I did and um, <laughs> it's what happened next is just I still can't really to this day um, adequately tell you, but if you could picture each cell like we embraced, Mm 
And if you could picture each cell of my body being side by side and in between each cell of her body, uh-huh. that's how it was. It was like there was, you know, they always say the two become one, but it was literal <laughs> somehow that we were just one um, form at that point. Hmm. And I, I, I think that I was, I mean, I was thinking, how, how does this work? You know, I mean, I know how it works <laughs> as far as physical, but how, how does it work? But uh, however it worked, as soon as we were, as soon as we were merged, I guess that's the best way to, as soon as we were one unit, it was just like um, explosion, electricity, uh-huh. elect, I mean, uh, electrocuted, being electrocuted. But not just, hurting, all right. But it wasn't bad. It was it was uh-huh. pleasant. Yeah, it was it was so far beyond pleasant. Um, and she finally said um, that I was since I was new here and this was my first time that we were going to stop. And she instantly was the older lady again, hmm. and I was just left. And she told you know she told me she'd see me again sometime. But she had, you know, she wanted to go and do whatever she was doing. But I was just, um, just a quivering <laughs> mass of jello, I guess, at that. <laughs> and I, I, I stayed there for a little while, but then I felt that, and I was back uh-huh. in my body, mm. and I was on the bed, and I was trembling so hard that. To me, it felt like the whole bed was shaking. I was just Jeez. In a, still in a um, suffering from the effects of the electrocution. <laughs> right, yeah, but a good one. But uh, I mean, the, the, the energy of, of two people totally combined and, and just the good parts, you know, not the bad, no mm-hmm. bad emotions or anything, just right. total, complete love. Uh-huh. And... I was I just laid like that for I don't I don't know if I ever went back to sleep. I was afraid I was going to wake up my wife. I was shaking so hard. <laughs> and then um when I did get up, you know, to go to work and all that, it was like maybe a day or two before the final quivering stopped. Uh, uh, hmm. Did anybody at work I mean, notice I, I, that you were acting no, weird or <laughs> I can't say that they did, but I just, I felt like I, you know how you feel self-conscious? Uh-huh. Like maybe you right. think your hair looks bad, but everybody right. else thinks it's okay. Yeah. I felt like, I felt like I looked different maybe or something, but nobody ever commented on it. Yeah. And about the third day, I didn't feel it anymore. So that was like uh, an experience, a sexual experience beyond, uh, beyond strange, <laughs> beyond beyond sex, uh, beyond yeah. what you've ever yeah. experienced. Yeah, uh, and well, what, and I, I think I told you what happened after that, didn't I? Uh, go ahead. About your wife? Oh yeah, yeah. We're on, but before we get, a, yeah, before we get okay. into that, one of the things that you had mentioned to me before was that you are not the only one in this. Uh, uh, situation. There were other people, other couples, right? Yes. Yes. Uh huh. And they and were like they, they would, they would. I don't know, having sex seems inadequate. I don't know what to. <laughs> nobody was really like it wasn't like oh, oh you know look at this it's weird we're out here in front of everybody it was just it was the normal thing apparently. 
Yeah. Wow. And other, uh, maybe um, my my theory is that travelers um, need a, a shot every now and then, and maybe that's what that is. You know, a, a boost. Yeah. Hmm. An encouragement or yeah. something. I don't, I don't Oh, so then, then at what happened afterwards? Then at home. <laughs> well, I had to, I had typed this up, but I typed it in a folder on my computer, and you know the last thing, my wife is, was really skeptical of all this stuff, so I had a folder called Astral Projection on my desktop. Yeah. Well, the last thing, you know, she never read it, so. The last thing that crossed my mind was to password it. You know? <laughs> and so one day I come home, innocently come home from work, and and uh, even though it's you know sixty or seventy degrees in the house, it was really cold. <laughs> she wasn't saying a word, and I could you know I could tell I'd messed up. I wasn't sure what was the matter, but <laughs> so I, I finally said, "What was what's, what's wrong?" And she went to the computer and opened it up and My God. you know and I had written actually written this was the best sex I had ever had. Uh oh. Or, you know, and so yes. Um she was she was very, 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 very mad for I'd say three weeks <laughs> before we just lived in the same house at that time. We we didn't really oh communicate or so yeah. she was really hurt. And yeah. so if that, that's advice for anybody in the who might get in the same situation someday is password protect your folder. <laughs> yeah, right. But it brings up the question of whether or not a person is cheating on a spouse by having sex while out of body. <laughs> that, you know, that's a that's a moral dilemma. Or <laughs> it could be. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I've thought about it and, um, you know, I, I haven't made it a practice, but right. there does seem to be a difference. You know, I mean, I don't know how Trish would think about it. You, <laughs> you came back and said, you know, this happened. Well, I think it's pretty time. interesting, actually. I mean, <laughs> I've never heard of anybody but, uh, having sex while out of body, but that's it's fascinating. Yeah, it's uh, but, well, we, yeah. The the number of people that that were doing it. Um, <laughs> Also, was I mean, it, it wasn't like we were the only ones. There were right. several. Now, do you think this woman was an actual human being, or was she a guy, spirit guide, or what was she? I think my my belief is she was a guide. Maybe she she no longer. Um, I don't know how I. I mean, I can't base it on anything, but I believe she had already finished her physical mm -hmm. rounds. Oh, she was acting like a guide, obviously. Yeah, ser yes. serving that purpose. Yeah, a super guide. <laughs> well, <Yes. Yeah. laughs> Wes, did she say anything about all these big bases? I mean, did, is she the one who told you? Yeah, she, yeah she, she's the okay. one that told me what the the bases were, and uh, and that that was the what first was thing first? that happened was she just kind of floated down to me and said, "Do you know what you're looking at?" Right. Hmm. And I said, not really. And she said, this is the the Akashic record, and these are all of the these these urns and vases contain the experience of each person's lifetimes. Hmm. 
Well, Did you ask that basis? You know, so, you live more than once, apparently. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we put your experience on our blog, uh, blog.synchrosecrets.com, and we got a lot of reaction to that. <laughs> and a lot of the people yeah. responded. Women in particular were, were not very impressed with your story. I mean, they, they were a little yeah. angered about it. <laughs> and But yet there was a couple that had uh, some other ideas, too. Yes. Remember I that. know that the ones I can remember that thought that I had um, come in contact with the lower being. Yeah, right, right. right. And I, um, I, I mean, who knows, but I, I feel like I didn't because I don't believe a lower being would have been at that particular spot anyway. Uh -huh. no, no. A lower being would have had no desire to go to the Akashic record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then sense. the other thing that she said that she helped people. And so I, from that, assumed that she was a guide. Mm -hmm. I know that there was, there were some uh, people talking or in, in responding to this blog post that said, well, if you, if you physically merged, then it had to be a, a lower being. And, and all I can say to that is that, um, I don't know for sure that I physically merged. What I what I know for sure was that I didn't know how I was yeah, right. how I was supposed <laughs> to do it. Yeah, right. but but it went way beyond anything physical. Uh -huh. um, I mean, it was I don't know how to to really impress this, but I mean, we were we were one being instead of mm -hmm. two. Yeah. And well, so, we did. That's so far beyond physical that right. you can't. And there, there was another person who responded. Somebody we know who has had a similar experience, but the the person she was with was somebody who she knew in life who had passed on. I think it was a dentist or <laughs> something that. But it was. Oh, but where he's a doctor. She, uh, a doctor. She had described this before uh, we met you, and. Uh, said something very similar had happened to her and described it uh, in, in detail. And then, so your experience was was somewhat similar. So you're not the only one uh, around who's had this experience. <laughs> well, and, all uh, those people in the mansion who were doing it too. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, but we're, yeah. In the, we're talking about, you know, everyday life, yeah, physical uh, beings that, you know, are expressing it. Uh, we're not in the dream world, or at least uh, not in the normal <laughs> dream world we think of. But uh, so... There's one other experience we want to talk about as we wrap this up, uh, going from you know the the topless bar to the uh, <laughs> wild experience of the Akashic record. You had one where you're a priest, or uh, is a, a a life of uh, oh yes. Uh, talk about that well, one. That that is one of the one of my favorites for a couple of reasons. One is because you know a lot of people will say. Well, not a lot of people, but the few I talk to will say that I'm just dreaming this. <laughs> well, this particular experience, um, I had slept all night. Um, I was uh, in between a job at that time, and I got up in the morning to um, get my son off to school. And the school bus came and picked him up, and so it's around 7.30 when the bus picks him up. Uh, at that time. And so yeah. my daughter was only, um, 
I guess about three years old. Well, she um, had a routine that you couldn't break. I mean, she just she just would not let you break this routine. She had to watch these three certain shows in the morning, or the <laughs> day was going to be bad. Yeah. So I I um I shouldn't have, but I let the TV babysit her for a little while, and I went and laid down, and. I was just decided to try to have an astral projection. And um, like I said, this is, you know, 7.30, maybe 8 o'clock. And I just did my relaxation technique again. And instantly, just within a few minutes, I was out. And I found myself, you know, I, just, I don't recall traveling or anything. I just was all of a sudden in what I feel like was a a monastery somewhere out in the the, hmm. the old Southwest or maybe uh, Mexico. Like in the 1800s uh, or something? Maybe earlier, Spanish uh -huh. times maybe. But but yeah, somewhere along in that undeveloped uh, period. And I was in a, um, a an adobe room. That all there was in it was the bed and I think one chair and a table, a little nightstand, and there was this single window that I was, um, when I became aware of myself, I was kneeling beside the bed, and I, and I do, in this one, I do know that I was wearing this garment, and I was some sort of a Jesuit or a, a priest of some kind, not a, not a priest, but a brother of some kind. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I was looking out this, this single window and just all I could see was just the most beautiful blue sky. There really wasn't any clouds or anything. And I was, I was like that. It didn't last long, but I was, I was in that uh, place for several minutes and mm -hmm. it just came again, some kind of, somehow this knowledge is transmitted, but mm -hmm. it came into me that at one time I had been this, um, this Spanish or possibly Mexican brother. Um, yeah. Was it a monastery? Out in the, yes, sort of a monastery, uh -huh. but it was out to deal or out to approach the Indians or the Native um, American population. Yeah. But it was very, I guess you'd say, austere. Yeah. All right. I had was just the, the little cot-type bed wow. and then a nightstand and then that chair but I, I knew that I was so happy. It was just, it was where I wanted to be. And it was, uh, yeah. I wasn't, um, I wasn't um, in poverty, even though I was so very were minimalistic, you, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So were you observing this person or were you in this person being, being it's, this uh, person? At, at first, at first, um, it seemed like I was, looking at him and then the next thing I was I was looking through my own eyes wow. and looking up you know seeing the the, the view outside mm -hmm. and you know that's when I realized that I was so happy and I was glad that oh. I had, I had come out into this you know of course the, I'm sure the life was hard and everything but yeah I was but that's, happy that I was out yeah. serving you know yeah, but that's pretty interesting. I've never heard of anybody going OBE and then into a past life. Yeah, that's fascinating. that's incredible. Yeah, that is a good one. Hey, John, this has been uh, 
illuminating. <laughs> yeah, a, a Wes. Sorry. Yeah, Wes, this has been really fascinating uh, uh, talking with you for the first time and uh, you know, talking. I mean, we've uh, exchanged emails over the years and uh, discussed things, and uh, it was nice to actually well, meet was, you. Yeah, it was good to talk to you, you and Trish, and I. I've been trying to go back and think how it was I first came into contact with you. I guess I responded to a, a blog yeah, I was, or something. I, I was wondering that. about that, too, how you had uh, contacted us. Uh, but well, Wait, I have a question. Don't go. <laughs> um, sure. Are you still getting out? Um, it's slowed down quite a bit. I, I've talked about this with Rob on the emails. Um, uh-huh. It seems like the the older I've gotten, the more difficult it has been, and I don't know if that's. Hmm. I don't. I don't know why it is. Um, I I have now just a real what I call minor. I don't know if you can call them routine, but it's flying and uh, that kind of thing. But uh-huh. I've had a lot of trouble um, intentionally reaching a target, hmm. and I, I don't know if that's age related or. Um, I had to, and I know that my wife and I went through a really rough uh, spot in our marriage around 2010, and um, it seemed like it, none of my abilities have been the same since then. Huh. You also, uh, I don't know. Uh, there, there was one other experience I want to. Uh, you mentioned uh, talk about and you actually visited your wife she's a nurse and you visited her on yes, her break in yes. the hospital can you talk about that uh, yeah that's interesting okay. yeah that was a I uh, I intentionally did that uh, she was working the night shift and uh, so I you know went through the, the relaxation all that and and just as soon as I thought about what I wanted to do I was there and I knew what time she she took her break while I was in the break room before she walked in. And it <laughs> yeah. was kind of like I was the old, it's kind of like the first one. I was just hovering, I guess, up toward the ceiling or something. Uh-huh. She walked in and the, uh, the light in the room was strange. It was more of a uh, neon. You remember the old green neon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Street lamps. Um, I don't know if they have them anywhere anymore, but the light was like that in the room. Hmm. And when she walked in, uh, she sat down and she seemed really dazed. And so I, I told her everything was okay. I was just there visiting her out of body. <laughs> uh, but I, I just wanted. Did to she send you? See if I could. She, she seemed. Um, she looked at me, and. But like I said, she looked kind of in a daze, uh-huh. and I asked her later if anything strange had happened, and the only thing she said was when she went to take a break, she was really drowsy and nearly went to sleep, and she never mm-hmm. does that on a break. Mm-hmm. But she didn't um, She didn't recall me being there or talking to uh-huh. her. Or anything. Oh. Hmm. Uh, did she respond to you when you were talking to her? Do you, did she? Yes, like a... She, she turned her head to me, uh-huh. but she didn't see. It was like she couldn't really see me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ah, that's hmm. interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. And then that there was. I don't know if that was. Uh, it was so weird or what, but it didn't last very long. I was 
instantly back in my body. Uh-huh. Okay. So. Okay, this has been uh Well, did Rob course. tell you that he wrote a script based on your experiences? I sent it to him. Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I'm honored. I, I'm glad to have served <laughs> as a model for something. It's a creative. And, uh, by the way, I, I'm really honored to that y'all have um, uh, taken an interest in me. Uh, y'all are really the only famous people I know. <laughs> it's, it's we're we're a couple a of weirdos, to, is what we are, Wes. <laughs> this stuff fascinates us. Yeah, yeah. That's but it's great. been a it's been a privilege to to, I guess, know in quotation marks to get to know you and everything. Well, if you have any more experiences, please let us know. We'd yeah. love to have you on again and talk about them. Yeah. I mean, you don't find right. many people who are who experience OBEs who are just open and willing to talk about them. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, like, like a, you know, they have to be 50 or older, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So oh, this is, has been great. Thank you for the opportunity. I sure yeah. appreciate it. Well, and, thank you. And we'll be in touch, Wes. Thanks. Uh, okay. Thanks so much. Bye now. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Listen to the podcast at www.themysticalunderground.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at the mystic cast visit the blog blog.synchrosecrets.com visit the book site phenomena111.com send us email podcast at themysticalunderground.com and until next week thank you for listening and stay mystical It's, okay, so uh, we all it's, it's always it's always Mercury retro- retrograde at Microsoft. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>